Welcome back to Pine of Pint Podcast, and today we are joined by Steve Guinan, ex-Hereford. Oh God, he's played for so many teams, I can't name them all, but here we go, let's get into it. Starting your career out at Nottingham Forest, making seven appearances and four being in the Premier League. What was that like for you, making sort of your debut and putting that football shirt on for the first time? Um. Oh. Bit, bit of a dream come true, isn't it? I suppose it's every boy's sort of aspiration and dream to to make it as a footballer. And, you know, the, the, the chances of that actually coming to fruition are few and far between. So for it actually to come true um, and put on the shirt and everything else that, you know, sort of went into it was, um, yeah, it was um, sort of a jolt out of the blue. And, and I think it was more so because I didn't expect it, although I'd, I'd had a couple of, good months and I was always in the frame and I travelled to some some games and was part of the squad. I'd never actually been named on the bench. So the first time I was actually at my name of Davy, which was away at Wimbledon, I remember sitting in the hotel at, I don't know, it must have been one o'clock in London and Frank Clark was a manager and what he'd do is, you know, we'd have a flip chart, he'd, he'd turn off the, the, the opening page and the cover and the team was always wrote on and I went in and when he flipped it over, I was, you know, one of those, oh, God, I hope I'm on the bench this time. Or, or it's up, not you, sitting in the stand and having a pie. Um, and I was in the starting lineup, and it was almost like, oh, Jesus, didn't expect it. I hadn't told the family. I hadn't given anyone any prior sort of knowledge because I didn't know. So, and, it, you know, it was away at Wimbledon, of all places, away at Wimbledon to make your debut. So, a little bit surreal, if I'm honest. But, um, yeah, one of those boyhood dreams that came true. That's ironic that you mentioned that. The guests that we've just recorded prior to you, Steve, were Warren Barton, so he might well have been playing Think in he the uh, Crazy Gang team. He was just telling us their entire battle plan was just to, you know, as the first battle was in the tunnel, intimidate the team, get them scared. So I can imagine, like you say, coming up against the likes of Vinnie Jones, Marcus Gale, um, who else was listed then, I suppose? John Fashion, yeah. yeah. What was that like then? It's already a scary moment, but yeah, against a team yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, Vinnie Jones definitely played because I, I tell the funny story was I actually nutmegged him and ran around yeah. the other side and I think he, he shouted some uh, expletive that was full at his lungs. I don't want to reveal it on here and chased after me. So I quickly got rid of the ball as soon as I could because I knew I'd be hacked down. But um, you know, probably probably not as daunting as what Wimbledon were like in the heyday. This was probably a good few years after. But, you know, to be honest, Marcus Gale played, you know, Vinnie Jones, definitely Warren Barton played and probably did, did them a disservice really because they could actually play a little bit and, and then they were starting to introduce some 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 good players into the side so yes a little bit daunting it was at um, Sellers Park because they were, they were sharing the ground back then so it wasn't at Plough Lane and probably you know it, it's one of those sort of professional moments at such where it was like Christ I'm lining up in the tunnel out of these and you know you forget in that particular team at Forest we had there was Stuart Pearce was in that, uh, Pierre Van Hoydonk was in that a few years later. And th there were some unbelievable players, but very quickly you have to switch from, you know, even what I am now is a football fan at, at heart, you know, just still a football person to, Christ, I've actually got a job to do and go out on the pitch and be as <laughs> yeah. professional as possible. But it still is a little bit, you know, even, even in the back end of my career, you know, you still got to make those moments count and, and be special and long, live long in the memory. So every now and again you do sort of catch yourself sort of looking around and, you know, bloody hell, this is amazing, you know. So, yeah. uh, you've still got to make those opportunities count. Yeah. Who's it your support, Steve? I know you're from sort of Birmingham, but 
have you got a team that you follow closely or out of anyone it'd probably be Villa um, really doing very yeah. well man. yeah Ooh. well it makes a change doesn't it yeah. the last few years but um, yeah, yeah it's it's one of those boyhood things my dad's a Villa fan father-in-law's a Villa fan uh, brother's a Villa fan and you know it's just sort of ingrained in us and I think that was I think the first ever game I went to watch I think my dad took me when I was about four with my brother we went to watch Villa West Brom and yeah always kept an eye on the results um, and thankfully, it's nice to see him doing pretty well for a change in recent years. Yeah, yeah. I've got to say, the Baron time. It's, it's nice for him to to have, have this run. But some cracking players they've got. That that midfield, sort of midfield three of McGinn, Grealish, and, and Barkley. I think I think they give anyone a run for money in, in Premier League. To be honest. Yeah, yeah I think I think perhaps it's. I wouldn't say it's a little surprising, and I think probably behind their sort of closed doors, they probably expected them to do quite well. Mm. That's definitely what I'd be saying if I was in charge. <laughs> but um, you know, after after you know surviving at the last day of the season, I don't think anyone had expected them to do so well. And I think I've, I was I've been in at Villa a, a few times down the last couple of years, and there has been a really good atmosphere there, a good camp. I think you know you think about what Dean Smith had to go through at the start of last season and to buy that many players and fair play to the board for backing them. But, you know, there's very limited chances that you're going to spend 100 million plus or whatever it was and all those players are going to gel yeah. and be a success in the first season. And I think, you know, Barkley's been a massive signing for Villa, but, you know, there's been one or two more with Traore coming in and obviously Marley Watkins, but there hasn't been too many additions this summer apart from the goalkeeper. Yeah. I think some key positions has added a little bit of stability to the side, but hopefully it's one of those cases where it's all it's all clicked into place. Yeah, they do look they look very very good at the minute. Yeah, yeah, they do. But uh, right, so I move on. So from Nottingham Forest, you had quite a few loan spells away that you never really got settled anywhere until sort of Hereford, Cheltenham, where you was there for a, sort of a few seasons. Was it sort of your decision to keep moving out on loan or? As well as a side question, how difficult is it for a player to really settle in somewhere? Okay, answer the first question. A bit of both. Probably more often than not, there wasn't a choice. It was you going. <laughs> it was one of them. Um, and, you know, I, I had, in my two-year scholarship window, or old-fashioned apprentice, what it was then, I'd spent a large period of it injured. And probably one of the best blown spells I had only for purely location was I went to play in America for three months which was brilliant. And I'd had a good first year, an okay second year, but I'd done enough to earn myself a contract. But I was injured for, for a lot of that time. And when our season sort of goes into down downtime and it finishes, they'd got a, a contact with a guy in America who basically played in a forest kit. And I think he was one of the director's sons back then. And they said, listen, we, we play April, May, June. You know, do you want to come and get fit and then come back far and all cylinders? I was a bit unsure because I was only sort of 18 and I went, yeah, why not? And Robert Rosario, I don't know if you remember Rob, mm. he used to play for Norwich and Coventry and we both went together because he was coming back from a long-term injury. And We had an amazing time for three months and I went to get fit. At the time in my life, I got a fake ID, which meant I could drink at 18. <laughs> um, I was out clubbing. I'd got the best car I'd ever had at that age because I'd only got like a little banger. And it was amazing at the time in my life. But I went to get fit and I came back about a stone overweight. <laughs> eating all the burgers and ribs. So, although it was an amazing time, definitely not what it's intended for. Um, and some of the other loan spells, yeah, they weren't successful. You know, I, I remember Plymouth as a standout one, which was. But 
you know, if you know, I, I say now some advice to, to young footballers, where if you're not playing, you know, don't settle for playing in the reserves. Yeah. There's nothing better than going and playing out in front of a crowd, whether it's one man and his dog, whether it's 500, 5,000, that, that's the game. You've got to go and play where it actually means something to get three points. And I tell this story now, my first loan spell actually before I made my debut at Forest, I went to Darlington and that was definitely not a choice. And it was over Christmas period. So, I, you know, totally bizarre to me at that point, you were, you know, training Christmas day, playing boxing day, and it was really intense, the games. And I scored on my debut at Feetums. Uh, I think it was a home to talk it, I think it was. And anyway, to cut a long story short, I, I, I think I missed a sitter in the last minute to, to win it 2-1. And I wasn't too, bo- too bothered. Not, not that I was overly, I wasn't bothered. That's probably the wrong thing to say. But because it was my football league debut, I'd scored. I was caught up in the euphoria of, bloody hell, I've scored, you know. Yeah. And I got in the dressing room and the captain pinned me up against the wall. And he just went, you've just cost me my win bonus. And the win bonus means I can take the missus out for a meal. And he sort of flung me across the dressing room. And that was the sort of light bulb moment. I thought, Christ, that's what it means on a Saturday where playing in the reserves, it's more about development. Don't really matter if you miss. And I think, you know, there was loads of moments like that in the loan spells where I started to get, you know, a grasp of what the lower league football world meant. So all for different reasons, even the most unsuccessful ones all were valuable and had their own little story to tell. So, and it is difficult, you know, your second part, it's not easy because sometimes you're dumped in a hotel. And, you know, let's be honest, the hotels at League Two, they're not, they're not fantastic. You're not staying in Hyatt or Hilton's. You're pretty much staying in a and b if you're not sharing with a family or something like that. So that's an unusual situation to get used to. You're away from either family or girlfriends or friends, which is something else that, that no one really seems. And, you know, it's not like it is now where managers and coaches really look into the individual playing styles, will they fit into our system? Quite often back then, it was a phone call to a mate of a mate. We need a centre forward. If you got one, yeah, great, we'll have him. Yeah. And you wouldn't even fit into their system. And I remember, you know, I'd, I'd be at Forest, which was a, you know, like a, a Man City or a Liverpool side back then. They tried to play good football. Nowhere near as good, by the way, but they tried to play. And I was going into League Two and it was just being bombed forward at 90 mile an hour. And I'd get some six foot five giant just elbowing me, kicking at me, spitting at me off the ball. I'm like, bloody hell's going on here and somehow you, you, you're either sink or swim don't you? you've just got to learn to adapt it, it, what you just said there is almost word for word what i guess we had on two weeks ago top, uh, tommy lee the goalkeeper at chesterfield yeah i know he is yeah and yeah he said the exact same as you there obviously he was in manchester united's academy went out on a few loans and he said you don't really care in reserve football to put up too fine a point as long as you're playing well and impressing and then like you've just said there, you suddenly go into a man's world, you, your win bonus, goal bonus, clean sheet bonus for, you know, like these lower league players is, is vital to, you know, paying the mortgage in some cases. So that really hit home, you know, two people in a row to say that. You just don't really think of that pressure that young players are going into that environment. It, it, it must be quite alien, I suppose, after not being pampered, but certainly not being accustomed to that before you, you go there. That's a really interesting aspect I've never thought of before we started doing these. I think I think probably the situation's even worse. I think, you know, back then, as a as a first year pro, second year pro, whatever it was, I wasn't paid a great deal of money at Nottingham Forest, where now if you were a second or a first year pro at, you know, a Premier League to side, you you're probably on, you know, vast amounts of money now that, you know, that 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 tide has definitely sort of turned. So, you know, does that really hit home? Would you be really bothered? Because 
you yeah. go on loan now, I don't think you'd relatively get two hoots because within a couple of years, you're probably going to be settled for life where back then I was always on a one or two year contract. I've never had anything longer than that. And um, definitely, you know, people have mortgages to pay off in it first hand. And I've witnessed that myself and been on the other side of it where if I don't, you're literally playing year to year to get the next contract. So um, people don't see that part of it at all now. Just, um, sorry, Luke. sorry, Luke. I was just going to say one more point I wanted to touch on with Steve, just on a personal note. Uh, as a Burnley fan, you're the first ex-Burnley player we've had on the podcast. Um, <laughs> what was that like? I, if I'm right, looking at the area you were there, was it the Chris Waddle season or Adrian Heath? I can't. Adrian Heath. Adrian Heath. So what kind? Just this is personal to me. Sorry, Josh and Nick. What was that like then for you at Burnley? What was the experience like? Were any standout memories or any players that you um, you know grew a good relationship with that type of thing um to be honest it was a waste of time and <laughs> i'm so happy you said that well yeah. <laughs> and it's nothing detrimental to burnley i, I actually I, I loved you know it's one of those things where i really enjoyed my time there because there were some players there that were brilliant we, we, we connected we had a great time i stayed in an okay hotel i don't know what the hotel was but it was pretty decent for burnley but the football, and that's what I went for, was a waste of time, and I got stitched up. So this is one of them loan spells that, you know, didn't didn't happen no way, or as I, as I thought it would pan out. Where Forrest went right, Burnley have been on the phone. They wanted to go on loan. I went okay. I had a chat with Adrian Heath on the phone before I went. Yeah, brilliant. You'll come straight into the side. You know, we need we need someone like you, a bit of a target man. I was like okay, because I'm going to get some first team football. I went up there, trained on the Thursday, on the Friday, you named the team. I wasn't in it. So I went to see him. I said, "Just out of interest, what, what's happening?" Because he went, "Oh yeah," he said. To be honest, you're just going to be back up for the for the for the month, so you'll hardly play it all. And I just thought, well, and you can't, you know, it's not like it is now where you could go back. So yeah. I think it was the old-fashioned deadline day. So the last of the six weeks was just a write-off. I knew no matter how I played or performed, I wouldn't play. And to be fair, you know, look on the other side of it now, a little bit older, in, and in hindsight, they've got Paul Barnes at that point, who was yeah. scoring goals for fun. They had Andy Cook, who was scoring goals for fun. But as a, as a relative young footballer, I never did any due diligence or research. I didn't even look and think, well, why am I coming in if he's got two good centre-forwards? Yeah. So from Adrian Heath's point now, looking further back, yeah, he did stitch me up. There's no getting away from that fact. But um, I can also understand why I didn't play. And perhaps I should have done my homework a little bit and actually said, no, this isn't the club for me at this moment in time. But looking back, yeah, absolute waste of time. And I think... I think there's a clip of me on Sky Sports who one of the bloopers of the season. I literally, I don't, you know, remember Carnu for Arsenal at West Brom when he yeah. on the line and he got it over. Mine's almost as bad as that. Almost. <laughs> Somehow I absolutely got it over the bar from about half a yard and I don't know how I did it. <laughs> uh, well, we're not going to dig that out, Steve. You didn't have to admit that. <laughs> like, we'd, we'd have never said it. Um, what one thing, one of the loans I wanted to touch on, um, I think this was Sky Sports reported as well. Um, so at Scunthorpe, oh, uh, <laughs> there's a report that Brian Laws will leave you of your tracksuit in the in the club car park. So what? You're right. <laughs> What's You're that? Right. <laughs> Great story, isn't it? Great story. There has been a number of occasions where some of my football friends and, and friends and family stitch you write a book. <laughs> and it's something I've always considered, but I never got around to. But yeah, spot on. I, I've never denied that. So again, I was a little bit more mature and I stood up for myself. Mm. So I went, uh, I knew I knew Lawsy a little bit because he's a former Forest player. 
Yeah. And actually, when I was 14, 15 on trial at Forest as a schoolboy, we went and trained during half term, full terms as it was. And the a vivid memory I've got of him, we were joined in what, what for an affectionate term now is the bomb squad. Those that were nowhere near the first team, there were five or six. And we trained with him at 14, 15. And Lawsy absolutely smashed me to smithereens. The hardest tackle I think I've ever faced as a kid. <laughs> and I thought, is this my God? What's he doing? I'm only a schoolboy. But, <laughs> I'd got a little bit, yeah, a little bit of knowledge of who he was, former Forest player. I used to see him around Nottingham occasionally and he'd actually done pretty well for Scunthorpe. And he was the same, listen, you'll come up straight into the side. I thought, great. I'd got a couple of friends who were playing there, Justin Walker, Lee Marshall uh, as well. So that, they were in no doubt, yeah, you are going to play. And on the debut, we played Bristol City. I'd scored on the debut. I think we lost 2-1 in the end. Um, I had a decent game the next game. I can't remember what the score was because you could only sign months and months. And then yeah. the next game, we played, I we play, we were due to play away at Burnley. I can remember it. And we'd got, I think it was Guy Um Oh, yeah. Uh, and he... Always score against us, then. Yeah, he was okay. And I, I crossed paths with him a lot of time during the, the tail end of my career. And Lozzy pulled me off. He said, I'm not... And he was live on TV as well. I was devastated. Live on TV away at Burnley. He went, I, I'm changing the system. I'm going 4-5-1. And I'm playing Guy up front. And I went... You've killed. I said, I've come on loan to play four or five games. I said, I scored on my debut. I played well the next game. So I've got a one in two ratio and you're bombing me for the next game live on TV. And I, so and he went, well, that's it. You are. So I didn't play I, the fourth game. I can't remember whether I played or whether I didn't, to be honest. And then he asked me, he said, uh, right, you're going to stay alone in the second month. And I went, you're having a laugh. <laughs> said, Absolutely no chance. I said, I'd, I'd have played more games in the reserves at Forest. And by the way, I had other opportunities to go elsewhere on loan. I think that was in League One at the time. And this was, this was in the office. Um, and, it, and I was dressed in the tracksuit. I think we'd got a reserve game. So I said, well, there's no point in me playing in a game because I ain't staying. And he went, fair enough. Then. And he went, well, give me a tracksuit back. And I went, I've literally got a T-shirt on and my pants on. And he, 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 I can't remember what he said. So I don't care. I went, fine, no problem off me. I got the lads out here. We, we used to car share the lads from Nottingham. So I just stripped off, chucked in a tracksuit. It went, all right, I'll see you later. And that was it. So, bizarre thing, I drive, sat in the back of my mate's car in pants and a t-shirt, that was it, going back. <laughs> Imagine you're walking out there in your shirt in your boxes at a manager's office going, right, see you later, cheers, mate. Yeah, bizarre, bizarre. Some of the things that go unseen and unheard of in football clubs. But yeah, that, that's 100% true, yeah. Brilliant. Wow. So when you moved on, um, you did leave Forest, you had, you had a couple of spells and then you, you found yourself at Cheltenham. Uh, League Two... League Two playoff final, I think I'm right in saying. Millennium Stadium in front of 30,000 people and Steve Garnon pops up with a winner. What was that like? Yeah, yeah, pretty special in all honesty. Um, Got to say the goal doesn't, you know, live long in the memory of being a classic. <laughs> Again, <laughs> we weren't going to mention it, Steve. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Listen, I'm too old and too mature to claim that still. Uh, and I, I didn't on the day. I think I remember straight on the interview on Sky. I went, yeah, it was a, it was a cross up. thing for the far post. So, but, but listen, you, from from my perspective, you can't take that away from me. It's um, you score a winning goal in a, in a player final, whatever level, or any cup final. It's it's a goal, and your name's there down in the history books, isn't it? So, um, and it was pretty special. We've got, I think, my dad, my brother, I had a load of friends that came. Obviously, my wife came. My my lad, who's now sixteen, was was too small to come and obviously it's one of those things that you just replay even now sometimes you know over in your mind and I've got the DVD and everything else so 
Yeah, brilliant, brilliant story because I think Cheltenham weren't, you know, expected to be nowhere near the playoffs, never alone. Mm. And sort of a David versus Goliath with some teams in that league. But, you know, we had some some particularly good players in that squad at the time. John Finnegan, Grant McCann, um, Damon Spencer, KODJ. We had some really good players, Craig Armstrong. And we did it. You know, we got over the line on the final day of the season and, and probably, dare I say, I think Grimsby were probably the better team on the day as well. But we, we took a lead, clung on to it. Um, and, you know, as far as Cheltenham, a concern, you know, my son's actually playing there now at 16, he's a first year scholar, but you know, League One's the highest I've ever been to on a, on a couple of a couple of occasions now, but yeah, re- really special, great day um, lots of alcohol consumed that night without a doubt <laughs> I can imagine So from all the places that you've played at then Steve, has there ever been a manager that's really taken care of you, took you under his wing and sort of stood out from above the rest? Um uh, yeah, I've had this question a few few times, and will be that to ask. <laughs> no, well, yeah, you know, you, you think at, at Forest, my first year as an apprenticeship was Brian Clough, which um, w- w- was a a privilege to be around and to 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 see him working, but b you know that was that was when he was dare I say on his downward spiral, which was a pity, and they got relegated out of the Premier League, and he wasn't in his greatest hour, but still a privilege to be around. Frank Clark came in, and then we had. Christ, a, a number of managers, uh, Ron Atkinson, David Platt took over, Stuart Pearce took over, Dave Bassett. Um, we had some real, what, what were then high profile figures and they've all got strengths and weaknesses, but I don't think anyone's really taken care of me until, <laughs> I don't think anyone has taken care of me full stop, but the only ones that have actually thought, do you know what, you actually do consider what the players like off the pitch and um, it's probably John Ward at Cheltenham who, who was the manager when we got promoted and Keith Downing his assistant and then probably Graham Turner at, Her- at Hereford and they were they were for totally different reasons where John and Keith were A, good people, good managers and coaches and would always ask around how their family was etc and Graham because he just didn't overcomplicate things, he just made th- things simple and he'd just say, you know, at my age then he would just say, listen, this is what you're good at, this is what you're not, just do what you're good at or at least try to do it. <laughs> Don't mess around doing anything else. And, you know, other managers would ask you to play particular ways and try and do this. And, you know, you go into a game with, it's like a, it's like a maths test, you know, you'd have all these things fizzing around. Well, I've got to do this. I've got to worry about him. And where Graham was just like, do this, do that. And if you do that well, you're playing the team every week. And, you know, I had my most successful scoring spell 100% at Hereford in in both spells and a loan spell. So maybe that was what, what I needed just some some simple one or two or three word things to say do that and don't worry about anything else and we'll get the ball to you where at times and I see it now with coaches and managers who will work with I think the game you know has got to be revitalized totally modified and I saw um was it Ancelotti the other week when he was interviewed after the Everton game and he went it's not it's not a difficult game there's 11 players on the pitch you, you play one way and you've either got the ball or you haven't and I'm like well and don't, don't get me wrong there's a lot more aspects to it than that but would you say, you know, what everything that you think about as a manager or coach to player? I, I definitely would nowadays. Yeah. You mentioned there, uh, Steve, about John, John Ward. I just wondered because he was, if I'm right, I'm thinking in my head I'm right, he was assistant to Adrian Heath at Burnley. Did he have a role? Did, did that come to mind when he when he went to Cheltenham then? Was he the manager that signed you there? Or um, if he remembered you from that loan spell, perhaps, or something like that? Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't even know. Just you've just told me something that I never knew. I didn't know Wardy was assistant then. 
Yeah. Was it really? Yeah, but there's always been, he left, I want to say about March that season, because Burnley, yeah. the Adrian Eve season, we only manager for one season. Yeah. Uh, we were in the playoff places, and then John Ward left to become a manager somewhere, and our yeah. form dipped massively, and a lot of people put, put basically the management of that team down to John Ward rather than Adrian Eve, rightly or wrongly, so... Probably coincided with my with my going there as well, while the form dipped as well. <laughs> um, well, do you know what that may that may have been? Yeah, because I definitely can't remember him being there. To be honest with you, um, but no, you know, John, very astute manager, uh, still works now for the League Managers Association, and um, yeah, I can't remember him. But John does tell the story of. The, the, the lad, John Finnegan, who mentioned he was captain of Cheltenham, he was playing for Cheltenham for a number of years before I signed. And he was an apprentice at Forest when I was, and along with Craig Armstrong. So we kept in touch with each other for years and years, and we still do now. And I think, I'd score, I, think I scored 29 in that season for Hereford in the conference. And my mate, John, kept texting me every week saying, you know, or calling, things are going well, blah, blah. I think the gaffer's interested. Um, and as Hereford were in the conference, we had a chance to get promoted out of the playoffs, which we didn't succeed. And John came to watch me in the playoff semi-final, I think, at Aldershot. And he told me a couple of things I did on the pitch, which I didn't even, I still can't remember to this day. But um, he said he'd seen me play once or twice, but off, just off the back of that game, he, he said Cheltenham were quite a young side. And he said he brought me in as, as an experienced striker. But uh, I think experience was his word, not knowing he was going to get someone that couldn't run. So <laughs> he had to put up with that for a few years. But no, me, me and Ward are still talk now. We still have a, a bit of a giggle and we see each other every now and again. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't hear a bad word said against him. Yeah. So initiations are like are a massive part of sort of football. We see him online. There were a kid at Hull who did a brilliant little song and dance up on a, on a table. But did you have to do any initiations when you moved to new teams? Or was that... Something you never got involved with. Um, yeah, no. To be fair, we did, but quite quite often back then it was just the singing. It, it was nothing. It was nothing too bad. Um, you know, I've seen some horrific things go on in dressing rooms and, and in in hotels down the years, but perhaps not revolving around initiation ceremonies. Quite often, yeah, you'd have to sing a song. You'd have to stand up on a table in the hotel and give it everything, and which is daunting in itself. And but. You know, times have changed and I'm not necessarily, you know, I can see both sides to it, to be honest. Would I want to do it now as a young player? No. And I still wouldn't want to do it now, but it brought you that team spirit and that camaraderie and the fun. And I think there's a part of that still to play in the game. So um, i got a foot in both camps at the moment. But yeah, so some some good initiations, but nothing, nothing worse than singing, I promise you. What, what was your go-to song then, Steve? Are <laughs> you going to say the same, Josh? <laughs> Do you know what? Ask you to think... sing it. No, that's a good job because uh, I assure you, it'll just everything will crash. Um, I, I, I don't know where I did it, but I can remember singing R. Kelly's I Believe I Can Fly Somewhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good choice. I remember doing, I think I had a go at doing the Sugar Hill Gang, you know, the, the, the rap song that they do. Yeah. I had a go at doing that once. Uh, I, I didn't have a go-to song, just ever what, genuinely, I thought, well, Arkele, I, I did think I could actually sing it, so <laughs> I thought I'd pull that out of the bag. I, I, think like the show, I thought, listen, Josh. it's going to get a giggle from the lads, so yeah. I'll give it a go. So. Josh with uh, Empire State of Mind, he thinks he can sing it, so. We I can sing Empire State of Mind, and on a Christmas special, I'll do it. <laughs> 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 well, I'll do that. 
We'll get Steve on to do R. Kelly as well. Give <laughs> me my Alicia Keys. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so now, Steve, you're in a, well, from your, uh, from your Gmail, a senior professional game player to coach lead. So what, do, what is that? What is that? What is it you do with that? What a title, isn't it? Yeah, a <laughs> mouthful. Yeah. Um, basically, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a coach developer. So, so after football, I went into a couple of coaching roles and then I worked for the Professional Footballers Association as a coach educator. But I left for the FA just, just under 12 months ago. And basically what I do is work with coaches and managers in the senior game. Um, but the player to coach lead, what it, it is basically I'm, I'm now leading on an initiative for transitioning professional players that are going into coaching and management. So pretty much I, I try and work with myself sort of 10 or 15 years ago. So, yeah. you know, any, any players now at the top end of the game who are thinking, actually, I want to become the next coach or manager, then it's not all my responsibility, but I sort of help them through the process and help them transition into, into those roles. Yeah. I imagine that's really quite quite a fulfilling job as well like you see someone that you work with go on and yeah that I think that would be, be a really good job that yeah it's, it I always wanted to stay in football in some mm. capacity and, and you know when I was really young sort of 16 17 18 I was thinking well just sport in general you know I didn't know that I'd go on to have a career but you know sort of mid-20s I knew I'd want to stay in football in some capacity and I probably did think I may go into coaching management, but for whatever reason, you know, your career path doesn't go where you want, but, but you're totally right. It's, I find myself in a place now where it's probably more fulfilling than being a coach and a manager and, and seeing people develop over a period of time and, and show them what the other side of the white line is like, because you can imagine, you know, the amount of, uh, players who you come across who think they can instantly turn the hat to being a successful coach and manager and the stats actually show the reverse of that yeah. um, you know even if you're a top international player a whole host of those have failed at the first hurdle so so my job really is to basically get them an understanding of listen that you're now starting as a novice you may have played for 25 30 years but you don't know anything from a coaching perspective so it's not easy it's not done overnight but really fulfilling and I don't think I'd ever go back into that side of the game now in terms of coaching and management I'm, I'm really happy where I am and um, it's great I love the job yeah it sounds like a really important role I'd say because mm -hmm. I mean you're spot on when you think of top players that have gone into management recently obviously there will be examples that have like Frank Lampard doing a great job so there are examples where the, the transition seems pretty quick and, and they've just got that natural charisma I guess you could say but not to throw him under a bus, but then you look at people like Gary Neville. Uh, totally, sorry Gary, if you ever come on, out of his depth. Maybe because of the size of the club, but yeah, it seems like a, a role that, I don't, has that always been there? Or is it sort of a newer position, is it? To... Yeah, it's new. That's why I left the PFA, really. I, I, didn't, I didn't look to leave the PFA, but this, I, came, I became aware of this role, and that, that's why I left, because I knew that it was going to, hopefully play a substantial impact on the on the future of these current players and that are transitioning to roles and uh, we've done a whole host of research we've we've got external organizations to help us I've done a lot of research interviewing current head coaches managers players that um, you know almost in in hindsight and retrospect well I interviewed Gareth Southgate for example and I sort of said to him well when you first got the job at Middlesbrough at 34 or 33 what, what did you know? What didn't you know? And he said, I didn't know anything, but he said, I thought I did back then. Yeah. And, you know, you, you get footballers because of their profile. 
And I think that, you know, the playing pool, 95% of the playing pool go on to become coaches and managers. Nearly every coach and manager, apart from the odd one or two, have had playing careers. And, that you know, our phrase that I always use is, you don't know what you don't know. And until you get put in that situation, and Gareth admitted a number of times on other media outlets and forums that he didn't really know the way he wanted to play. He had, he had no real understanding of sort of team dynamics and leading departments. And, and you don't, you know, if you think about footballers, all of a sudden they become a manager. Well, they've been in the dressing room shouting and screaming and running around. But now you're the one giving the orders. You've actually got a manager board. You've got to understand, you know, budgets. You may be the one that's doing the contract negotiating. If you had any negotiating experience, you know how to handle media. Do you know how to handle difficult conversations and to drop players? And do you understand the physical side with all the physical stats, the GPS, the data? And quite often they don't. You know, as a player, you just get told, it's pretty much like being in the military, do this, do that, that time. And as a player, you go, sir, yes, sir. Because they don't want players to think about anything else. And yeah. all of a sudden, you're on the other side and you're working 15-hour days compared to three. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot to handle. So it's a, it's a huge role. Um, but it's really fulfilling and it's only in its infancy. But hopefully it will be pretty impactful in the future years yeah awesome that is brilliant i'll let you take us through your pro five quiz yes so what we do steve um with every guest we ask five questions about uh, so about your career um and it is I think that's the worst possible thing. <laughs> uh, to be honest, looking at the questions, I think you've answered about four of them. <laughs> Just in talking, so I think you'll be all right. Um, but it's it's, called, it's named after Tommy Lee because he was the first to get five out of five. So it's the Tommy Lee Pro Five quiz. I, I, I promised him that, and yeah, stuck with it now. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll go. Uh, we'll go with number one. Um, you scored the winning goal in the League Two Player Final uh, for Cheltenham Town against who? Or Grimsby Town. Correct. Nice um, easy one to start yeah. with. <laughs> um, and you scored you scored two of Cheltenham's three goals in that playoff uh, campaign. So it was promotion all down to you, was it? Or? <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah. You know what? You save the best to the, to, the, to the end, don't you? To the last. So just kept storing them up all season long. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number two, so we've, we've gone from goals and we're on to red cards now. So you were sent off four times in your career. Um, can you remember who they were against? Scunthorpe. Yeah. For Chelsea. MK Dons, yeah. Fleetwood. Yes. Oh, Christ, you took on the last one. For Forest Green, this one was. Yeah, that doesn't make it any easier. <laughs> <laughs> really? Did it get sent off at Forest Green? You did, yeah. Ah, oh, give up. No idea. Wrexham in the 2010-11 season, yeah. Oh, I can't the, uh, the Fleetwood red card. Um, some altercation with Jamie Vardy, I, I believe, or he got sent off and then and then you started throwing fists. <laughs> um, yeah, not my proudest moments. Was uh, it yeah, that, that is true. It was, um, yeah, we, we were promotion favourites that year as well. One of the, the, the group that was expected it with Fleetwood. And yeah, Jamie Vardy coming in a ridiculous challenge on our fullback, Lee Vaughan, who was one of the, you know, one of the best fullbacks in the lead. You know, mm. caught him really late and, you know, typical 22 man brawl happened, you know, off the back of him. <laughs> um, I can just, yeah, I, you know, I was quite old then as well, 35. and I think, I'm not sure it was Jamie Vardy or someone came in 
in the melee. And I remember seeing he was one of Fleetwood players just come and caught me off the side of the head and caught me a tree. And the red, the red mist just descended and I just went. It was perhaps the journey up to Fleetwood that didn't help. Um, and I just lost the plot. And I think I went for, definitely went for Jamie Vardy and I went for a couple of the other players as well. You're going to uh, come out, you may as well take a few down with you, aren't you? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I apologise in this restaurant, not that that mattered because we've got Dick's 4-1 away from home. And we had to get back from Fleetwood. It was a midweek game, so we didn't get back until about two in the morning. Uh, and I got fined a week's wages, so well worth it, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> down by the seaside then. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, question three, you scored 107 league goals in your career. Who did you score the most for? Which team? Oh, Hereford. Yes. 63 yeah. across three spells, one which was alone, which I think yeah, you touched on earlier as well. Um, number four, after spells, at Greensboro Dynamo, which I think is that the American team that you, you mentioned, yeah, um, and Darlington. And you've already answered this question. You made your Premier League debut for Nottingham Forest in 1996. A 1-0 defeat against who? Wimbledon. Correct. Um, and question five on the Tommy Lee Pro 5 quiz. You played under multiple managers in your career. And can you name five of them? And we will accept caretakers. Okay. Uh, Frank Clark. Yes. Hugh Pearce. Yeah. David Platt. Yeah. Ron Atkinson. Yeah. Uh, I'll go for John Ward. Five out of five. Um, brilliant. That's it. That's the quiz. I think four out of five because you got the uh, missed out on Wrexham. Yeah, I remember that. Very good effort, Steve. Too easy, Josh. I know. I'm going to have to make the questions yeah. harder. We had a couple of shockers when we first got guests on. We had ones and twos, but <laughs> I think people have uh, heard about the quiz and they've been uh, been swatting up. Yeah. <laughs> Checking Wikipedia for an hour before they come on, all right. <laughs> Yeah, so the last thing, uh, if it's all right before you go, so Luke sports Burnley, I sport Derby, and Josh Man United. I'd like to sort of get your predictions on their uh, the next fixtures, if that's all right. Yeah. So, well, it'll be next week. We've got Bristol City versus Derby. Okay. What do you do want you, the score? The score prediction, yeah. Can you accept double figures? <laughs> against Derby, you can. Well, Josh always bets six nil against Derby. Um, oh, I think. Oh, and I think is now because I'm I'm around the game. I know loads of people at nearly every club. So it's a difficult one. But <laughs> if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do and try and predict the score or the, or who's gonna win, the score. Ooh, okay. Bristol City three one. Cheers for that, Steve. Appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, so the next one, Burnley versus Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace one 0 Doing all right, actually. Crystal Palace have yeah, just come into a good bit of form, haven't they? So, uh, and then the last one, we've got Man United versus West Brom. Man United three-one winners. Three-one winners. Like that. Yeah. So. Thank you very much, Steve. We massively appreciate you coming on and taking your time out to, uh, to speak to us. But uh, no, you've been absolute class. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks so much. Great guest. And it's, been nice to, it's been nice to have a little giggle and reminisce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we need at this time, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Steve. You, Steve. No problem. Cheers, fellas. Cheers, Cheers mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
What a great guy Steve Garnon is, and the work he's doing now with his coaching is absolutely brilliant. But uh, right, let's get straight into our score predictions for this weekend. Luke, starting with you, be very gentle. Bristol City versus Derby. Um, one nil Derby. I'm not. I'm just going to leave it there. Josh, <laughs> Bristol City versus Derby. <laughs> uh, well, you've finally done what needed to be done about six weeks ago, and that useless ball bag has gone. Um, depending on whether you get someone good or another useless ball bag, will define uh, define rest of your season. Um, I think you will have a bit of a bounce. Your players looked to be in a proper slump, so I think they will be happy he's gone. Um, I'm not sure. How, how are Bristol doing? They're not doing bad. Chris Martin's doing all right. Oh, God. <laughs> um, now, I think, I think you'll get a reaction, though. I think you will draw 1-1. Yeah. I think it will be a 1-0 Bristol City win. Oh. I think we've, yeah, we've done the right thing, getting rid of Koku. But I think it'll not change until we get a permanent manager in. Rumour has it that we're getting taken over by, is it Abu Dhabi, whatever, nephew or someone who's got loads of money anyway. And there's rumours of like Rafa Benitez, bloody Eddie Howe, all circling who's going to come. But uh, for me, I'd love to see Paul Cook take the job. He's done an absolute fantastic job. We, Chesterfield, Portsmouth, Wigan where he's been. And I think he's someone who's going to kick some of the guys into shape and sort of battle it out so yeah I'd agree with you you can do a good job next manager's odds right certainly won't be Benitez because Bucky's aren't wrong and he's not even in the top 50 Rooney is 4-1 to one on right he might be great but if you appoint him on a three year deal and he does shit you are relegated mm, yeah. and you can stop the stick to take over up your arsehole if you're in League 1 John Terry 3-1 to one. likewise I wouldn't hear him I really wouldn't Eddie Howe. Interesting. He's, he's been he's out of work. good at Bournemouth. Did shit at Burnley. He was he's shit at Burnley. Burnley. He was shit at Burnley, but you can't... You can't say anything, you know what I mean, after how well he done at Bournemouth. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I'd take him. I'd take him. Cook is 12 to 1. I yeah. think he'd be a great appointment. I really do. Who, Paul Cook? Yeah. Mm, I do, because he's never had... He's never been at a, a bigger club. No. Wiggins um, is biggest, and he did really well there for a yeah. first season and whatnot, but it just, like what we were last year, just hindered so much by the financial side, and sadly they went down. The favourite is Rooney by a mile with John Gregory. What a throwback yeah. as assistant. Fucking hell. He was crap. He was Villa manager like 25 years ago, wasn't he? I'm sure in 2003, I believe it were, and I'm sure he won like 12 games out of 54. Oh, great! Yeah, can't wait for that. He was Warren Barton was his first signing at Derby. And really? If you, if you want to know more about Warren Barton, <laughs> but nothing about his relationship with John Gregory, sadly. We'll have to get him back on for that. <laughs> no, but it'll be interesting over the coming weeks. I don't know if Mel will be the one to appoint someone new, or apparently this new. Financial takeover is supposed to be done by end of month, so we'll see see where that takes us to. So, yeah. So Burnley versus Crystal Palace, Luke. Ooh. I don't know. Palace have done really well. Yeah, but I've got to believe. 
And that's a game that we would take points off normally with a full strength team, which we have for Jack Cork. So I'm going to say 1 0. Josh? Um, I think it's it's a big game, this for Burnley. They really need to start winning. Um, but Palace have been really good. We're like 4 1 against Leeds or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Leeds are very suit into their defending is very suited to Palace's attack in terms of they just keep throwing people forward and, and Palace love to counter. Burnley won't give them that. They'll sit deep. Palace might struggle to create. So I'll go nil-nil. I'm going to give them a 1-1, but I'd love to see Burnley win hmm. because I know how much Luke hates Roy Hodgson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate Roy Hodgson. Absolute despises him. <laughs> yeah. I just think, at the end of the day, I, I hope he stays there until he dies because the minute he's gone, they'll take Sean Dyche. Yeah. Steve Parrish is a big fan. But <laughs> I play to him. Is, is that an 